Welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a great start to your Tuesday. It's a great week to be a Grizzlies fan as we've got, while not officially playoff basketball, we've got meaningful games after the regular season is ended. And of course, that allows for me to have the opportunity to continue talking with some of my favorite people from Grizzlies Twitter. And one of my favorites, obviously, frequent guests of the show, Grizzly Bear Blues site manager, Joe Molinax is with us. Joe, how are you doing this evening, sir? Doing well. Uh, I appreciate that shout out. And I think we can officially call this, I've decided, Sean, it's postseason basketball. Because technically that's true. The, the regular season has concluded. It's not the playoffs yet. I, I'm I'm a firm supporter of that take. You're not in the playoffs. It's the play-in. But there's nothing that that says that this isn't postseason. These are additional games beyond the regular season. There are 10 teams that are not playing any more basketball this year. So I would say it's fair to say this is a postseason week for the Memphis Grizzlies. And even more in our favor, Joe, in this specific time of the year, I have a bit of a trivia question to start off for you before we get into the show. Who is the all-time leader in points scored in NBA play-in game history? <laughs> this is a trick question because there were no statistics from that game. <laughs> Nobody, apparently. Um, but hey, I think, I believe that's John Morant, right? That would be John Morant. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if the game actually existed. There are no stats, apparently, from that game. So uh, if, if, it, if there are no stats that count towards overall totals does the game make a sound like the tree falling in the woods maybe i don't know very true but if you want so say for instance it wants i mean you know it's going to be the spurs and then either the warriors or the lakers obviously the grizzlies being the youngest team in the league you want to talk about experience not being in their favor but if play-in experience if nobody has any play-in experience and if you do count it the grizzlies were the one to play in the first ever play-in game actually the grizzlies have the experience factor here, I would think to say, but I'm I'm stretching here, stretching like well, crazy. But I think, but I think you're onto something in the fact that this is the one play-in game that's winner go home, right? And obviously Memphis is hosting the game, so it's winner. It's a short ride home uh, for the Grizzlies if they do not win this play-in game. But this is very similar in structure to what they endured in the bubble against Portland. Now the Spurs are not as good as Portland, so that's certainly is helpful for Memphis, and I think the Grizzlies, it's safe to say, are healthier now than they were uh, in the bubble at this stage for the play-in. But this is, in terms of experience, I don't think you're too far off, Sean. I I don't want to over-qualify it, but there's only two teams that have ever played in this play-in game before, and the Grizzlies are one of those two. And it's essentially, obviously there will be another one if Memphis wins, but the structure is similar. You know, if you lose, you're done. If you win, you're in. And and that's what they're looking at heading into Wednesday's big tilt against the Spurs. So, in other words, DeMar DeRozan, Steph Curry, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, who else? You heard it here first from Sean and Joe. We've got you. We've got your number. All joking DeMar DeRozan aside, does make me nervous. <laughs> We're going to get into that with Joe here in just a second. You can find the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at Stats SAC. I'm obviously the podcast wherever it's available, both Locked on Grizzlies and the wonderful quartet of shows over at Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Odyssey app, wherever you choose to listen to podcasts. So, Joe, let's jump right into it. So, obviously, want to talk about the play and want to talk about the Golden State game, but let's go back a little bit 
ago. Back to, um, I believe it was 10 days ago, actually, that Thursday night game when the Grizzlies lost to the Pistons. And we, we, we after a game where our offense seemed to get back on track against Minnesota, this Grizzlies team lost to the Pistons. And we thought, you know, dad burn it. We're going to sit here and back into this playing game. It's not going to be good, so on and so forth. But then they reel off five straight victories. The resiliency of this team, and it's not just them learning and growing, but how quickly they can learn and grow up and down the roster from jaw down to the 13th or 14th guy off the bench. That has to stand out as, as a big bonus, as a big asset of this team, not only for this year, but going forward as they continue to grow into a sustainable winner. Wouldn't you agree? This season was a massive success, in my opinion. And I know that'll frustrate people. I'm very good at frustrating people, as I know you know, Sean. But uh, for me, I had the Grizzlies projected to be the 10th seed in the play-in. I had them making the play-in as the 10th seed. So they have outperformed my expectations. And I'm not sure. I'd have to go double-check my exact record. I'm pretty sure I didn't have them winning 38 games. And most people didn't have them winning 38 games. So uh, that's, that's a testament to the work of the coaching staff, the the treatment, the treatment staff, the performance team, as they call them there with the Grizzlies, obviously the players, the front office, uh, 38 and 34 without Jaron Jackson Jr. for over 80% of your games with one of the youngest rosters in the NBA with multiple players, uh, DeAnthony Melton, Dylan Brooks, Grayson Allen, Kyle Anderson, Jonas Valanciunas, so many guys you know, outperforming even the best they've ever done it, it, and losing John Morant for about three weeks there. We forget that, you know, the, the season was very fast in some ways and, and very long in some ways. And I think that we forget that Ja got hurt there and he was out two to three weeks. So uh, I think it was closer to three. So I, I think given all the adversity that they face, and that's not even mentioning the fact we're in a pandemic. You know, I know you've had our friend Matt Hardlicka on the show in the past and he wrote an article I believe it was today or yesterday, talking about uh, the, the fact that this season was a success. We, we very conveniently, and I think we have talked about this before, we, we, we get it locked into the idea, locked in, see what I did that? Locked onto the idea of basketball or football when the NFL was playing. Baseball started. I know you, you're a Braves fan. Uh, the Capitals are my hockey team. They're in the playoffs right now as we speak. We get caught up in sports. And we forget, and, and to its credit, this is the point of sports, it's an escape. We forget there's a damn pandemic still going on, right? So many of these teams have been impacted by COVID-19 in, in so many different ways, and some more than others, but everybody has been impacted. So in, in a normal season, the Grizzlies have endured adversity. And then you add on top of it, and it's, it's poetic justice, I guess, that the two teams that were impacted the most in terms of scheduling in the second half of the season, play each other in this play-in game. This is going to be the first time the Grizzlies have had consecutive nights off since the All-Star break. I know you know that, Sean, but that's, that's just crazy to say out loud, right? That's just crazy to say out loud that this is the first time since March that this team has had consecutive days off from playing basketball. And you can say they're young, but I was young once. I was a college athlete. I wasn't a professional athlete, but I played college football. And you know what, Sean? I would get damn tired sometimes. And that was just playing practice. Yeah, I was just practicing every day and playing on Saturdays. I can't imagine playing basketball at the highest level that there is in the NBA 
the amount of games that they did in the short amount of time they did. You mentioned the five-game winning streak they went on before the loss at Golden State. That was in seven days. They played five games in seven days, and they were able to go 5-0. and So I, I feel like our expectations of this regular season, and I'll specify regular season because I know I've done a, a bit of an about-face if you haven't been paying full, close attention uh, to my work over at GBB. Maybe you're a bit confused. All regular season long, I was totally okay with whatever they wanted to do because it was a data accumulation period. And they did that. I think that we are closer today than we were nine months ago to knowing who is going to be on this team long-term. I think Dylan Brooks is going to be on this team long-term. I didn't know that that was for sure going into the season. I think it's for sure now. To me, he's the heart and soul of this team, in my opinion. I'm not saying he's the best player because he's not. And I do think that Ja Morant brings the swagger, that confidence. He's the superstar. I'm not trying to discredit Ja in that regard. But in terms of the passion, the energy, maybe I just love grit and grind so much, and Dylan Brooks fits perfectly with that mantra and mentality. But I just see Dylan Brooks not as untouchable in a trade. I'm not saying that. He's not Ja or Jaron. But he's pretty important to this Grizzlies franchise, I think, moving forward. So uh, I think Dylan Brooks has been a a massive uh, building block. I think Jonas Valanciunas has done a remarkable amount for his future in Memphis. Before the season began, I thought he was trade fodder. I thought that he was somebody that, that, you know, they want Jaron to be the long-term center, and we still have evidence that that is true, given how much Jaron played the five as he returned uh, from injury. But Jonas has played so well, Sean, it's always been about Valanchunas's elite skills. And you wrote about this today in the report card, his elite skills canceling out his limitations as a lateral defender. And he's very good at rim protection. And again, you wrote about this. He's very good at scoring the basketball and he's very good at near elite. Actually, he is elite and rebounding. And as long as he's doing those three things at or near an elite level, the rest of it doesn't matter very much. And I think that he has proven that he can do it at a near elite level almost every night. So I think Jonas Valanciunas has done a lot for himself. And those are just two examples. I could go up and down the list. Uh, But we didn't know that for sure going into the season. So they are 38 and 34 with the clearly stated goal of data accumulation. They wanted to have a better understanding of what the roster was heading into a pretty important offseason for them whenever it starts. The fact that they're in the play-in is wonderful. I think that was a fair expectation going into the season. I think that they could do both, or I thought they could do both. They could do that data accumulation process and make the play-in, and that's exactly what happened. So for me, Sean, this season was a success. I, I don't know if you agree with that completely or not, but I, you know, I have been very impressed with the coaching staff, with the players, with the front office. This team's finishing year two of the rebuild, and I, I declared the rebuild over on Sunday. I, it's hard to say that you're a rebuilding team. You're still always building. You know, somebody pointed that out on Twitter. Oh, you're always getting better. I'm not saying they're not. This roster's not final. I don't think the, the starting lineup is final. I think the next, you know, the, the guy on the wing that they're missing, they need another guy. He's not on the roster right now. So I'm not saying that that process is finished. I'm saying that when you're a 38-34 and team in the Western Conference without your 
arguably your best two-way player for 80% of the season, it's hard to say you're rebuilding. You're, you continue to improve, but I think the rebuild's over. It's time to expect more of them from this point on. Correct. And at some point, you know, that rebuild is going to occur. And while you're locked in to what the Grizzlies are doing right now, you know, I don't, I agree with you. This season is a success. So no matter how it ends, there's no reason to have the Grizzly Bear Blues. See what I did there? I see what you did there. Grizzly Bear Blues. That's the blog we work for. All joking aside, regardless (laughs) of of what the season, you know, ends up as, and we'll talk about that here in the second and third segment, but the one thing that I will say is this, the data accumulation has been fine. There obviously has been more positive findings than there has been negative, in my opinion. But Joe, just looking back, you wrote a piece over um, at Grizzly Bear Blues talking about the incomparable duo of um, Jaw and Jaren. But the one thing that I will say, and it's not really anybody's fault, it's just a matter of circumstance, it happened. But I think I went back and counted it correctly. I just tweeted it out. Up to this point, at the end of Jaw's second season and Jaren's third season, we've only seen 60-ish games of them together. And the issue is, is that, you know, basically, you know, we really only 50 games with them fully healthy. You know, what does that put on the duo as far as it's going forward? We know that at the end of the day, expectations are about to go up. The need for them to take a leap individually and together is both up. But is there any bit of, of nervousness or concern with the fact that we've seen them together in terms of such little time, you know, in the span of their career so far? I think that there's reason to be concerned for durability's sake, especially in the case of Jaron. You know, Jaron has had a couple of different injuries now, and he's due for some big money, right? Jaw, you still have a couple of years left on his rookie contract. Jaron, I believe, is extension eligible this offseason. And the Grizzlies would be wise to, to try to get him a Jalen Brown Celtics-esque contract this offseason. You know, throw a four-year, $110 million deal his way and see if he bites before, you know, if he has a tremendous final year. And Memphis will have his his rights in restricted free agency. So the Grizzlies will be able to match any offer sheet that Jaron Jackson Jr. signs. Sorry, New York Knicks fans. Sorry, random New York Post columnists. Unlikely to happen for you, sir, (laughs) at least right now. Um, Jaron's probably going to be here a while. And one of the things that frustrates me is when people buy into that nonsense, and they say, oh, do they like Jaron? Is there really something they're concerned about? They, they did this on purpose. Like, that's right. how can you be mad about data accumulation and making sure people are healthy? The one guy that they didn't do that with this year, by the way, is Ja Morant. I don't think that's a coincidence. Uh, the, the, the one player who was not overly cautiously treated was Ja. And, you know, there has been a bit of a difference from Ja since he hurt that ankle. So I, I do wonder if he could have benefited from a couple of games off, even though he kept playing through and he's a tough kid, you know, he's going to compete. Uh, but I, I, you know, that stands out in my mind. The one player that was not treated, you know, overly cautious was jaw with injury. And there's probably a reason for that, but they, they're invested in Jaron. Jaron is as young, only a couple months older than jaw even though he's been in this league a whole nother season. And he is somebody that if you are able to get him right mentally and physically, 
There are no other Jaron Jackson Juniors. I wrote about that in the piece that you mentioned. There are none. They don't exist. You can compare him to Christos Porzingis. You can compare him to Carl Anthony Towns, who, by the way, Cat is superior to both of those players right now. So the comparison is in terms of three-point shooting and shot blocking, and that's it. Cat is the best of the three. But, you know, I know Parker Lewis has talked about the Richard Lewis comp. Uh, you know, there's all sorts. I think Kevin Garnett said he's a bigger Kawhi Leonard. You know, there's there's so many different things that Jaron could be that at some point you just stop and say, you know what, he's going to be the first Jaron Jackson Jr. And I think that the comparison I make to it, Sean, is with Division One coaches and football recruiting. Because as a football coach, it frustrates me frustrates me from time to time. I'll have a really good high school football player who is six foot tall and 270 pounds. He's an excellent high school lineman, all region, all state, all those things. And he'll barely go to college. He'll go to a D3 school, go to a D2. And I'm not poo-pooing on that. I am a Division III football player. So I'm, 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 I'm saying that you look at these kids that are better high school players, and then you see a kid who is terrible at the high school level. Like, you've watched him play. You've seen his film. He's not any good but he has offers to SEC schools because he's six foot seven, 300 pounds, right? Like you, you can't teach the height. You can't teach the weight. You believe that you can make him a player, but you can't teach those physical traits. That is Jaron Jackson Jr. You can't teach the fact that that kid is literally still growing, Sean, that, that Jaron Jackson Jr. is literally still physically developing at the age of 21. He's a physical freak. You can't teach his ability to create off the dribble at that size. You can't teach his length and defensive potential. You can't teach his athleticism, his malleability between offensive and defensive schemes. You can't teach that. You, you try to develop it and harness it as best you can, but his skill set is so unique at what he can do physically. And Ja is unique in terms of his skill and his mentality as well. But I, I, when it comes to Jaron in particular, because he's the first one they're going to have to make a decision on, to me it's a no-brainer. As long as he can stay healthy, and I do think that's a fair question, and that's one of the reasons they were so cautious with him. As long as he can stay healthy and he gets another full season and off season to develop and work on the fouling and try to be more of a factor rebounding, I'm not as worried about the rebounding. I think the health is a bigger concern than his, his glass eating, especially as long as Jonas Valanciunas is here. But I, I feel like they were cautious with Jaron because they want to have as much information as possible and they want to have as much beneficial time moving forward so that they can see what he could be. Because we have no idea what he can be because there's never been anybody like him before. And that has to be kept in mind. They have to continue to allow for him to mentally and physically develop. And again, in the case of Jaron, especially physically, because he's literally still growing. Like, that, that's fascinating to me. You have to be cautious with a knee injury for someone who's still physically growing. Like, that, that, that makes total sense. So you're dealing with somebody who the NBA has seen very few of, if any, in terms of what Jaron Jackson Jr. can physically do, and you don't know what the hell he is. So you have to give him his best opportunity to display what he could be and the only way he can do that is if he's healthy. And if you have any concerns about how long he's sat, just go ask Christoph Porzingis, who sits out with knee soreness every once in a while, uh, if he wishes that he would have had his knee handled a little bit differently. 
No, I think it's a great point. At the end of the day, you certainly, you know, could there be concern there? Sure. Health-wise, yes. The, the, the amount of time that they played, sure. But, you know, me, me, Joe, and others have said from the beginning, John, Jaron, our natural talents that the Grizzlies may not have ever had before. Maybe Pau Gasol is in their you know, realm as a young player. But that's the thing that's so exciting. But also, you just continue to hope that, you know, one thing that will change this offseason, both of them will go into the offseason healthy together. This is where the chemistry develops, and they learn to not only make the leap individually, but because they're playing with each other, make the leap together as and well. And I, I think Matt Moore team. made the point real quick. I think Matt Moore, uh, HP Basketball, made the point on Twitter that I believe John Morant's going to the Team USA summer camp, right? I don't know that he made the team, but I believe he's part of that camp. Uh, in the program USA basketball now, dudes always come back extremely different from that. Like you can fully expect Ja to have a whole new tool in his tool belt when he comes back from playing with the best in the world for a week or so, a week or two, however long it is at Team USA basketball uh, select camp. So that's something else to keep in mind. Jaw's going to have a tremendous opportunity to get a heck of a lot better going to that camp. Any, that's the great thing, though, to remember about it is that they both don't turn 22 until August for Jaw, September for uh, Jaron. So it's going to be a lot of fun to see what happens. But before we get to the offseason, next season and the future in general, there's still a job to be done this year for as long as it can be done. And that starts Wednesday night against the Spurs. Coming up, me and Joe are going to talk about the playing game and what to expect for the rest of the season and how the reaction to it may be, depending on how far the Grizzlies go. Wherever you may be, the spring is now in full swing. And right after that, obviously, is the summer. And if you're someone that likes to get out and enjoy going on trips, being outside with friends and family, I'm sure that means that you're going to be traveling more often than you usually do. Well, if that's the case, it probably means that you're going to make, want to make sure that your car is up and running. If for some reason your car needs repairs, I've got the place that has you covered, and that's rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is great because it's very easy to use. Within a few clicks of the button, you'll likely find what you need. And I say that because regardless of the make and model of the car that you have or the part that you need, rockauto.com is likely to have it. If you're someone that does your own repairs, you need others to do repairs, or you do repairs for others for a living, rockauto.com is a great source also because it's economically feasible. This is a family-owned business. They've been in business for over 20 years. They know that car parts typically fall out of budget, so they try to make things as economically feasible as possible. If you visit rockauto.com today, let them know that the Locked On Podcast Network sent you rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts that you will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. So, Joe, after the game yesterday against Golden State, I talked about it on yesterday's uh, Locked on Grizzlies podcast, is that I, I kind of looked at four different areas where I felt the Grizzlies are going to have to improve in at least two of them. John Jaron, one of them stepping up to play like the best talent on the Grizzlies roster, the ability to shoot the three, the, the, the roster itself, the Grizzlies being the aggressor, the Grizzlies having to be the more energetic and effort team in these games and to me most importantly is the bench getting its production going uh, which it hasn't unfortunately over the past month it may be something else but those are just kind of four things what stood out to you yesterday in that golden state game as being okay this is something over the next two days the grizzlies have got to correct if their goal is to make the playoffs 
I think that you hit the nail on the head with the reserves. Like to me, because I did the quick recap for the game and watching the game, looking at the numbers, the the lack of production from DeAnthony Melton, from Brandon Clark, and to a lesser extent, Desmond Bain. Bain is a rookie, 30th overall pick in the draft. He scored eight points. Like, could we expect more from Bain? Maybe. But Melton has been there before, right? Clark has been there before. And I thought that they just looked really bad, uh, especially offensively in that game. And that was really disappointing for me. That was probably my biggest disappointment. Is it surprising that John Morant struggled in his first showdown with Steph Curry? No, that's not surprising in the least. Steph Curry is out of this world, highlight reel. He shot 22 threes, which he had never done before. That was a career high for him, I believe. You know, the, the Warriors were on a different plane offensively than the Grizzlies. When one bench player for Golden State outscores every player that plays any minutes off the bench for the Grizzlies, Memphis isn't going to win. It's just not going to happen. The Grizzlies aren't going to win. Uh, I think that the importance of Dylan Brooks really shone through. They made their run with Dylan in the game. And then once Dylan fouled out, uh, they, they lost their heart and soul as well as their communicator. Uh, you could tell that the defensive communication really went uh, to hell without Dylan out there. And I, I mentioned the heart and soul aspect with Dylan. I know you're in these uh, conference calls with me, these media availabilities, Sean. Uh, that was the most dejected I've ever seen Dylan Brooks. And, and I don't want to say he didn't look confident because he never doesn't look con- – he never not looks confident. But you could tell that he was bothered. Like that game bothered him. The way that it finished, he felt like he let his teammates down because he probably 100% believes, knowing Dylan Brooks at least from afar – knowing his mentality, at least, as a player, he believes that they would have won that game if he hadn't fouled out. He was blaming himself for the loss. You, you could say that's right or wrong. I would say the reserves were far more uh, disappointing than Dylan. Dylan played his tail off. But there's no denying that Dylan's foul trouble played a role. You know, And I think that, that when you are in these spots where you're trying to do something you've never done before, and you know, Dylan alluded to it, this team hasn't won. Uh, much at this point because they're all so young. Uh, they they haven't won a playoff series to get as a group to get together as a group. They haven't even won a playoff game or a play-in game as a group yet. So they're still learning how to win. And I, I think that the fact that one player losing Dylan Brooks had that much of an impact when Dylan isn't supposed to be your best player, that was that was something that stood out to me as well. So. I agree with your other points on the three-point shooting. Obviously, that matters tremendously. They have to get out and run more, transition play. Uh, transition play. They have to create turnovers. They have to get out on the move and, and get some easy buckets. That has to happen for them to have success. But for me, the two biggest things were the lack of Melton and Clark uh, doing anything, especially offensively, to help the process, and then how, how much the wheels came off when Jeff Dillon Brooks came off the floor, especially defensively. You know, Steph Curry special – Dylan held him in check pretty, pretty confidently and consistently when he was checking Steph. You can't completely go off the rails if Dylan has to sit for any amount of time again. That's just that's poor communication. That's poor execution. And to the Grizzlies' credit, they said that in the postgame availability. They said there are miscommunications. One person cannot be that impactful if you plan on making a postseason run. And I think the Grizzlies know that. Hopefully they can address it. I, 
I mentioned this on Twitter. This should be on Tuesday, the first full practice they've had in a long time. I, I hope they practice. I don't know why they wouldn't. They probably had off today, which is very smart. I would have done the same thing, but you know, hopefully Tuesday they're able to practice and work through some of those communication errors and they're rectified for the Spurs. And it's that Spurs team once again. You know, I think uh, Bryce Hayes, a wonderful, wonderful young mind rider and, and, and just great guy from Grizzly Bear Blues as well. He mentioned today that I believe in six of the past 11 years, the Spurs and Grizzlies are meeting in the playoffs. And of course, you know, Joe, from, you know, you covering it, you know, both of us as fans as well, going through the grit and grind era, you know, the Spurs, you know, but with the Clippers and the Thunder were the teams that stood out as being the main adversaries of that era. But this iteration of the Spurs team, it's different from obviously those Spurs teams, those legendary dynasty Spurs team. But it seems like in this matchup against the Spurs, you're going to need to feature Dylan and Jonas again. I don't think that the Spurs have anybody that's going to be able to contend with Jonas in the paint on offense. Dylan, you have to hope, will be able to have a similar impact on DeMar DeRozan as he did on Curry. But the layers of what the Grizzlies can throw, these layers of duos, Jonas and Dylan do what they can on offensive defense. One of Jaw and Jaron stepping up, and then obviously Melton or um, Clark, because the Grizzlies bench is going to have to contend with the Spurs bench, which is very talented. You know, besides Jonas dominating the paint and Dylan, um, you know, being able to hopefully check Demar. We talked about the bench. What else stands out to you about this Spurs game specifically? Where you feel there may be successes for Memphis, and one or two areas where you think there may be struggles. I think Memphis is deeper, ironically enough. I think Memphis is deeper than the Spurs. I think that their bench, especially if Grayson is back, and there really hasn't been an update on Grayson, that would be a question that if I'm available to do the media availability for said practice that I mentioned a moment ago, if it does happen, I would again, I would, I would imagine it will. Uh, whether it's me or Parker, whoever's covering for GBB, and obviously you'll probably be there too, Sean. Maybe that would be a good question about Grayson updates. and Whether Grayson's starting, and that means – that you can have somebody coming off the bench or whether Grayson isn't starting anymore because Jaron is in the starting lineup and you can have Grayson as a reserve scorer, uh, I, I think that would provide some pop. So getting more scoring production from the bench, a group that's supposed to be your deepest group on the entire team, I think that's helpful and valuable. And then I think that something on the other end, something that concerns me is Ja in the past has struggled with bigger guards that have longer wingspans that can come close to his athleticism. There's not many people that are as athletic as Jaw, but those that are comparable and have length and have size have given him fits sometimes defensively. And, and obviously the Spurs have guys like that. Murray, uh, they, they have players that are plenty talented uh, across the board. And I do believe that that is something to keep in mind, uh, keep an eye out for how those guys are going to play uh against the Grizzlies. Now, obviously, they're, they're not at full 100% strength for a variety of reasons, uh, but they, they do have some pretty talented players. You know, they don't have Derek White anymore. You know, he's somebody that obviously would have been pretty impactful in this game. Uh, they're, they're down a couple of guys, but they still have DeRozan, as you mentioned earlier. Murray, Keldon Johnson has been a really impactful uh, young player for them. Uh, Lonnie Walker has, been, has shown some growth. And they have a veteran bench. You know, they have a veteran bench, Patty Mills and Rudy Gay, and obviously an old friend of Memphis, Rudy Gay. 
they, they've got some guys that if that reserve unit for Memphis is not on its P's and Q's, they've been there before, right? I mean, you mentioned DeRozan as a starter, but, you know, Patty Mills has played a hell of a lot of important basketball games. Same thing with Rudy Gay. Like, they have experience in these situations where the pressure is on high. And while the Grizzlies have one specific game of play-in experience, there is a lot of playoff experience and postseason basketball experience on that San Antonio roster. So I think that things, when adversity strikes, that maybe won't bother San Antonio because of the experience of their head coach Popovich, because of their, especially their reserves, uh, that may not be as strong for the Grizzlies. Maybe the home fan base they announced today, 40% capacity for the play-in game. So more people will be in the building to cheer on Memphis, hopefully, in this play-in game on Wednesday. I, I'm concerned about the veteran presence of that bench after watching what the Grizzlies reserves did on Sunday. The Spurs reserves will take advantage of every mistake that the Grizzlies make. And they just can't afford to do that against this team or else it's going to be a short stint in the play-in. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, that's the thing. You know, you go back to last, you know, in the bubble to end last year. You know, the Grizzlies played the Spurs in the second game of eight in the play-in. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, we're we're the deep team. We should be able to get them out on the, on the run, get them out on the run, should be able to beat them. We weren't able to. And that was a, that game was the difference in the Grizzlies having to you know win two games versus one in the play-in. Well, now I think a lot of people are thinking the Grizzlies are going to be able to handle the Spurs pretty easily. I it just I think they'll win, but I think it's going to be more of a struggle than people think. We're going to have to get back to playing Grizzlies basketball, obviously. Obviously, but speaking of Grizzlies basketball, obviously this season can end in multiple ways. And when we last talked with Joe Melanax, we talked with him about how he wanted to end the season. But coming up. Now that we know what the Grizzlies' expectations are, what their path to the playoffs are, what's the biggest thing Joe possibly could take away from this week? We'll get his thoughts in just a moment. We all have different reasons that we enjoy sports, and if wagering and betting is part of the reason that you're a fan and enjoy sports, I've got the one place that has you covered, and that's betonline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams preps for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use the mobile device to sign up today and receive and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code locked on. That's the promo code locked on. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Visit betonline.ag today. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, our local experts weigh in on who should win the MVP, defensive player of the year, and head coach of the year in the NBA. Get more of the sports news you need with great host Peter Bukowski in the last time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. So, Joe, obviously, um, you know, if I remember correctly, the last time that we spoke, I had asked you, how would you want this season to end? You mentioned health. And you've also mentioned, and with, with you know, plenty of, of logical backing, 
that, you know, the results from this season, you're fine either way. You know, it's, it's, we're playing with house money, whatever it may be, so on and so forth. But I know now you're, you, you're with the rest of it. You know, you with everyone, you want this Grizzlies team in this moment to make the most of it. And if playoffs are the goal for this roster, it's to make it. But I think that people are going to go game game and that the initial reaction to whatever happens to the Grizzlies is certainly going to be, if we lose wins, be pretty disappointing. We lose Friday a bit less, and then if we make it to the playoffs, I think that's the ultimate goal, obviously. But just your thoughts going into this week, based off how you felt most of the season, I know you're locked in now, but at the end of the day, it does not change much for the future. I think that what people have to understand is there's a line to walk. Right. When I say the rebuild is over, that doesn't mean that I expect them to beat either Steph Curry or LeBron James on Friday. I, I, I don't know why anybody would expect that. Do I hope for that? Of course I do. I've covered this team for almost a decade, Sean. Of course, of course I want them to have success. First off, I'm, I'm a fan of the team. I support them. Secondly, hello, what do we do for a hobby that we make some money on the side doing, Sean? We, we cover the Memphis Grizzlies. You get a lot more clicks and a lot more downloads when yep. the Memphis Grizzlies are playing basketball. So yep. while this isn't my livelihood, I, I want the Grizzlies to keep playing because it's good for blogger and podcaster business. So it, it's, it's not that I want them to be bad, but I want people to have proper context and, and proper nuanced views of this roster. Like I mentioned earlier, I, I had them as, a 10 seed making the play-in going into the season. So going by my own expectations, I expected them to get here. And now they're playing with house money, but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't want to win, especially this game against the Spurs team that aside from DeRozan, DeRozan is an established star in the NBA. Jaw is a star, but he's not established yet, right? He's, he's young. He, hasn't, he doesn't have the pedigree yet that DeRozan does, the body of work. And part of that is just because Morant is in his second year. But I think aside from DeRozan, and again, some veteran presence on that bench, which obviously is key, uh, the Spurs and the Grizzlies are kind of looking in the mirror in in terms of their young core, what they are trying to do, developing those young players. You could argue Memphis has a better young core, but the Spurs have a sneaky good group of young players. So uh, again, that veteran presence makes me nervous going into this game against San Antonio. But beyond that, uh, there's a lot of similarities between these two organizations at this stage. I think for me this week, Sean, I want to see John ja Morant take another step in his ascent, if that makes sense. And, and I do think these two days off, legitimate, real two days off, he doesn't have to sit on a bench at a game and cheer on teammates. You know, he can spend time with his family. He can do some rehab on that ankle, get some treatment. He can focus on his game and practice. I, I believe that this is a chance for him on Wednesday to take another step into that superstar superstar, uh, echelon of players in the NBA. And I look forward to him pursuing that. You know, he hasn't really shied away from that moment. We saw on the play-in last year how he, you know, we joked at the beginning of the show, the leading scorer in play-in history in the NBA is John Morant. That's true. He had a massive play-in game, and he was injured in that game. So while the Spurs provide a different challenge defensively, no offense to Portland, but Lillard and McCollum are not, uh, you know, Gary Payton and, and uh, Tony Allen out there. Um, 
But I, I do believe that there is opportunity for Ja to continue to establish himself on the national stage. The lights are going to be on bright. There's going to be nobody else playing at that time except for the Memphis Grizzlies. They're the lead-in on Wednesday to the Lakers and the Warriors. The end of that Grizzlies game, I would argue, Sean, that's going to be the most people that have watched the Memphis Grizzlies play basketball since the play-in, since the bubble. Obviously, a ton of people watched that bubble game. But I think the fact that it's Steph versus LeBron, people are going to turn in or tune in early, and they're going to see the closing moments of that Grizzlies-Spurs game. And I don't see the Grizzlies blowing out the Spurs by any stretch of the imagination. I think they're too good for that. I think Popovich is too good of a coach for that. It's going to be close. It's going to come down to the wire. The ball is going to be in John Morant's hands. What's he going to do? That is a valuable learning and growth experience. It's a valuable chance for him and his teammates to respond to those moments. And it's going to be an opportunity for them to do it on a national stage as people are like, oh, damn, the Grizzlies are on, right? Like, I think I've joked with you in the past, Sean, I live in the Northern Virginia area. I have people that forget that the Memphis Grizzlies are an NBA franchise. I wish I'm joking. And these aren't like dumb people that don't know anything about sports. They're tuned in to sports. Maybe they don't follow the NBA as closely, obviously, but they know about sports. Like, they are sports fans. They're casual sports fans. And they'll say, oh, yeah, that Grizzlies, they're in, they're in uh, Memphis. They were in Vancouver. You know, they have to, like, talk themselves through who the Grizzlies are. So it's a chance for them to be on that stage, to have that platform, and show what the Grizzly standard is. And I want to see them do that. Like, even if they lose, I want them to display what it means to play Grizzlies basketball. I want Dylan Brooks to make life miserable for DeMar DeRozan. I want John Morant to ascend to that next level, like I said. I want Jonas Valanciunas to bully on the block. I want Grizzlies basketball, the standard that they've talked about all season long, the assists, the turnovers that they create. I want that on full display. I want them to put their best foot forward because at the end of the day, they're so young and they're still ahead of the game that if they are to fall and fail, that does not make them failures. Like that, that this would not be a failed season if they lose one game to the San Antonio Spurs. But I, my goal all along was growth. If San Antonio comes out and they play their best game and it's just better than Memphis on that night, so be it as long as the best of the Memphis Grizzlies was on display. If we saw a damn good basketball team lose a war to a veteran coach and a veteran roster, especially the guys that will probably be playing in those crunch time minutes, then so be it. You know, you tip your cap. But I want Memphis to come out of that game and say, we did everything we could. If they don't play the way that they're capable of, if they don't play up to their style, what they've done much of the season, then that would be more disappointing than the actual loss. I do agree. And if it's any vote of confidence, the Grizzlies have played the Spurs three times this year. And Joe, he may have been prepping for football season there in this time, but I'm sure he remembers the two games back from the COVID hiatus back on June 30th and February 2nd. The Grizzlies played two of their best back-to-back games of the season, and they won both games. The one game they lost to the Spurs was the first game of this season, the first game of John Morant's sophomore year. 44 points and nine assists that night for John Morant. So if you want an opponent that John can be his best against and also an opponent that can bring the best out of the Grizzlies, I think you're going to see that on Wednesday night. So, Joe, I could not agree with you more. 
But Joe, while we're talking here, first off, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. What can we look for from you? And obviously the great family that you know we're both proud to be a part of over at GBB. What's going on on your end as far as that goes? And just some great things um, as far as the month of May goes as the Grizzlies uh, embark on hopefully the first of many playoff um, trips here in the near future. Well, thank you, Sean. I appreciate that. Uh, I You mentioned my football season earlier. Um, I feel like I'm back in full blogger mode, uh, you know, after about a month or so uh, with my season ending there in, in mid-April. Uh, I had three pieces go live on Sunday, I think, and I've written multiple features in the last week, and uh, I guess I'm back in my groove. Um, I have organized, and I know you're participating in it. I need to edit it once we get out of our uh, session here. Uh, I am doing two roundtables with eight of our very best writers and minds over at GBB. The strength of GBB is our staff. I, I can't do it alone. I'm very fortunate to be the site manager and you know, kind of be the leader of the pack in, in that way. But I'm a big believer that what makes us our best, what makes us unique, is our staff. And obviously you're a key part of that, Sean. So I have eight of our writers, including Sean. Uh, we're going to be doing a roundtable, one of them looking back on the season that was, one of them looking ahead to the play-in. So that's going to be fun. Uh, Parker Fleming had a great feature that he's been working on for several weeks uh, during the media availability. He's getting quotes from players about Taylor Jenkins. That's live on the site. Make sure you're checking that out. Of course, we have our game coverage of the play-in coming up on Wednesday. Lots of good things coming out over at GBB. You mentioned the podcast network. Uh, we'll have a GBB live on Thursday that'll break down everything that happened in the play-in game. And, you know, it'll, it'll go one or two ways, Sean. And I know your, your locked-on show will get, be the same. It'll either be a preview of Friday's game or it'll be a preview of the offseason. One of the two. Thursday's show kind of writes itself. Um, so we've got a ton of stuff going on over at GBB, grizzlybearblues.com, at SBN Grizzlies. Follow us there. Uh, I'm very proud of our staff. I'll I'll talk up on them all day, the, the work that they do, you know, from Parker and Brandon, uh, Abraham, uh, all the way to, you know, Nate Chester and Justin Lewis. You mentioned Bryce earlier, you know, Lauren Harvey. Uh, we have so many talented folks over there that do tremendous work. And, uh, you know, I, I wish I could rattle them all off, but it, it, we have a big staff. And uh, I'm very proud of the work they do and proud to be the site manager. And I hope folks will come to GBB, grizzlybearblues.com, and check us out. And I cannot echo it any better than that, you know, obviously from uh, the, the the man who leads us all um, over at GBB, but it's been a great thing to be a part of. It's what gave me an opportunity. Um, I know Joe has enjoyed every bit of his opportunity, you know, interacting and enjoying it. That's what it comes down to. It's just, you know, being able to, in our own ways, specific ways, showing how passionate we are about the Grizzlies. And that's what makes this time of year so special, being back in the playoff hunt. And I, and I know for Joe, um, he can say the same, especially when he gets to interact but so many others who are passionate about the Grizzlies as well. But, Joe, we can't thank you enough uh, for uh, for joining us again, and we will make sure, obviously, to have you back, maybe hopefully have you back to talk about a playoff series here um, after the next few days. Yeah, it would be wonderful. I, I, I am hopeful that we're breaking down either the Suns or the Jazz here in the next week or so, Sean. Pleasure talking with you, Joe. As always, you can find uh, Joe at Joe Molinax on Twitter. Um, you can find me at StatsSAC. You can also find the podcast at Locked on Grizzlies for Joe Molinax. My name is Sean Coleman. It's a pleasure being with you. We will talk to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.